Welcome to The Art of Mindset with your host, me, Brian LeSage. Before we begin this episode, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to support and listen to this show. It means the world to me. And I want to ask if you haven't already, please head over to Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts to leave a ranking and a review for this show. This is how we spread this powerful message and the knowledge across the world. I'd also like to ask if you haven't done so, please share this podcast with anyone that you believe would benefit from it. Word of mouth is the best means for growing and expanding a podcast. And now let's get into the show. Today, we have a very special guest who is known for pushing the envelope on how art is said to be expressed into the world. He pushes to see connection and marketing in a way like no other. He even says businesses for too long have had their own language. It's inhumane. It doesn't connect with the end user and that end user is our customer. You need humanity. You need it back in marketing. He speaks the language of our audience, not with the language of businesses, and then they will listen. He helps people from around the world create brands that connect with their audience by telling stories in human ways. Throughout his career, he's been a marketing executive who's helped develop marketing strategies, led international teams, managed budgets, ran successful lead generation campaigns, executed multinational research projects, coordinated external vendors, and implemented a global content marketing strategy across three continents. And most recently, he's launched an online community known as the Story Gym, which aims to help people improve and strengthen their storytelling muscle. It's worth checking out. And I got to say, I'm so excited to have the chance to talk with him today. So without further ado, welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Happy Wednesday. Pleasure. Yes, yes. Thanks so much. Uh, so I always love to get my listeners into this mindset of figuring out where entrepreneurs, leaders and innovators have really come from. So their journey into where they how they figured out who they were later in their lives or even early in their lives. So I'm really curious and I always love doing this little activity with my, my guests. We're going to turn back the wheel of time and figure out who were you as a kid? What kind of kid were you? My, my mom used to say I was always the sunshine of the kindergarten. I doubt that, but I think that's how moms, how moms react to their kids anyway, one way or the other. I, um, I was born in East Germany. So as everyone knows, Germany was separated for 40 years. So I grew up in the communist part. In the communist part. And my parents decided in the mid-80s that they wanted to leave the country. They wanted to flee because they wanted to live in freedom. Um, and so what they did is I was, I think when they made this decision, I was six, six years old and, um, they, um, filed with the local authorities of East Germany, um, an application to leave the country. And this is not as easy as it sounds like, because you can file the application, but then what they usually did is they made your life a living hell. And that's what happened to my parents. Um, so for three and a half years, they were fighting with those authorities to leave the country. And um, how this is an authoritarian state when you are not swimming with the flow. Uh, also, we kids got involved into that, right? At school, everywhere, everyone knew that we were kind of outlaws. Um, so, but after three and a half years, um, they let us go. 
So in the mid of, uh, I think early 1989, we left East Germany. Uh, my parents and my brother and myself with four suitcases into a country that we have no idea what it looks like. And I was 13 by the time. And everyone who went through puberty knows that um, it's, it's already life defining for itself. So here I was with my parents living for three months in a hotel. My parents both didn't have jobs. I had to go into a new school into a totally new society with a totally new surroundings, had no friends, obviously, whatsoever. But um, my, my parents had, um, had other problems <laughs> to fix than the puberty of their son and the fact that he even though that he was interested in girls by the time, didn't really land as the new, as the new one, to be honest. So I had to figure out um, uh, how, to, how to live in a new world, how to create new wow. friendships, and um, also coming from a very different background to adapt to a new, um, to a new world of living. So that actually um, was something that I found later out really shaped me and my personality and uh, my character much more than I thought by the time, obviously. But that's that's the backstory. Wow, wow, what a story! That's that's incredible to be able to again again. Your parents are trying to escape authoritative government, come over, getting a lot of turbulence of figuring out who you were along the lines. Those are developmental times in your own life for you to. I mean, by the time I said this was any usual life, right? You live in the moment. You think it's your life, so you think it's something usual, right? It's not something extraordinary. You think that's what what my life is, so yeah. I, I better I, I better go along with it. Um, and just later on, uh, when some other life defining moments in my life happened, and I, I had um, a bit more time and also the, the, the mental capacity to, to 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 reflect, I just figured out how life shaping it actually was for me. Wow. Yeah. Obviously, as a child, you know, anybody that's going through any tough time as a child is like, this is just life. This is this is it. You don't realize that there's another type out there. So, yeah, coming back later in life and reflecting on that probably was was something that did that. Growing up through those times, did you have anybody that was like influential in your life? You can always say your parents and that, that's completely Thanks. fine, but I'm just curious, right? We, we love our parents, right? Um, yes. I had a bit of a complicated relationship with my dad, to to, um, to put it um, in 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 a, in a light sentence. Um, I I mean, my dad uh, obviously was with his character. He was a doctor, and um, he had very clear definitions how a good life looks like and what you have to do to live a life that is um, that is um, responsible. And um, I'm the firstborn son, so he, he put some special hopes in me. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> that didn't really work out so well for him. And uh, I mean, um, he um, he was uh, he was a life shaping character for me, and in many many ways, obviously, he was not the type of a person that I could go as as, as a teenager and talk uh, talk uh, to him about my problems. Actually, uh, but his relationship with me and 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 what then transpired later on was definitely something that that uh, shaped also me and also the experience what what he got, went through to just to also give us a chance to live in freedom um yeah. and then at, only later on uh, then when it was more when i was already uh, working I, I i met a couple of people who obviously became mentors and then um shaped also my thinking and and um, my life 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we always say our parents, sometimes they put a burden on us. They want to see us do well, but that comes off ill in, ill-informed or ill-intended, right? And that can kind of mold us in our own ways and we kind of can you know, get rebellious I'm, I'm a, and all this. I'm a father now. Um, and I, I can see that the, the good intent uh, my, my father had or my parents had, they're also the, the, the kids of, of my grandparents, right? So if you go back and look at this kind of this different generation, and they, they, their the intent is well, but I think we all have developed over the decades and it's, it's, a, it's a different world now. Um, but they thought by the time um, that there's a certain way to be successful and there's a certain way to a good life. And if, if you don't follow that path, then you might going to fall off the cliff. So... All yeah, good. no, that's, that's, yeah, it's again, that's, it's a testament to just being a father. I'm a father as well. I know what it's like to raise kids. Now you're a father seeing that and then reflecting backwards and having that compassion and that gratitude and saying, Hey, they were trying, they were coming through a lot of tough times and they're doing their best and they had this image of what success looks like and now we're rewriting this and the history that we're living in now success is changing right before our eyes and i absolutely love that right i absolutely love how we're seeing success change so how do you see success now kind of just speaking into that i mean obviously different than in my earlier life, I mean, I spent 20 years um, for a big Amer- American company um, um, in a corporate gig in marketing. And um, actually, now when I reflect on it and what other people told me by the time, made a pretty good career there. And that's what I, that's how I define success. I define success. I, I, I um, was married by the time. My daughter was young. So success for me was like I'm having a good job title, um, bring enough money home to to afford a decent living for for us having a house having a fancy car um having a promotion every three years um, achieving your bonus plans um going on fancy holidays uh, all the stuff that is also still around in, in the world today right it's where people look at it and when you ask them what success looks like i think a lot of people will, will come up with something that is related to money or to, to, to materialistic goods or to um, a certain perception about you from outside. Um, and I was like this for, I would say, until I was 36, 37. Uh, and then um, my, uh, my marriage fell apart. And that was obviously a big change in my life. And out of a sudden, I was not a husband anymore. I still was a father, but um, I was not living with a family. I lived on my own and had the responsibility to find for myself um, what my future life and what success in this life should look like or would look like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that completely resonates with a lot of people, right? We're seeing this success, this materialistic consumption state, right? Of being where we say we need more money, we need bigger titles, we need the next best car, next phone, next everything, right? And it's like this marketing scheme. And those that might not know as listeners, you were in marketing, right? You were director of marketing, right? What was that like? I Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, the company I worked for. I worked for 20 years for the same company, right? And I, when I started there, I was a student. So I was actually just earning some money to, to, to pay my rent while I was studying. And then um, after I graduated and couldn't really find a job by the time, 
um, they um, they offered me a full time gig first, just as a, as a marketing uh, as a, in, a, in a project, and then they asked me to build a marketing department for Germany. And four years later, they asked me to move to Switzerland to build a marketing department for Europe. And then three years later, they asked me to help um, with two other people to build uh, the global content marketing department uh, in 2011. There was content wow. marketing by the time was the hot new shit. Um, so, sorry for my French. No, you're and, all right. Um, and uh, yeah, so I did build three marketing departments from the scratch, actually. So um, I went through everything from the tactical marketing part, like ordering pens and organizing events to setting up strategies and managing teams. Wow. Yeah. And how did, I guess you, you did organically step through this, right? You started as a marketing assistant, project manager, marketing coordinator, regional manager, right? Mm-hmm. Director. Here we are now over a, a, a population, a big global market, if you will. So you organically stepped through this. What were, did you learn about the corporate environment? Well, you learn it while living it. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's I, funny. I, I, um, I just had last week, um, I had a thing. I was sitting um, with a friend talking about stuff and I remembered four of my former bosses who were really life-defining that I haven't spoken to for six or seven years. Wow. And I just felt like there's still stuff they, that I carry with me that they taught me intentionally or unintentionally. And I just dropped all full of them, all full of them in a, in a messenger message um, and just said to all full of them, that's awkward. I don't want to sell you anything. Uh, the account wasn't hacked. It's really me. But I was thinking about you guys and I just wanted to say thank you. And I wanted to tell you that even though time passes by the stuff that you gave me and others while you let us, that still is around. So I obviously learned from people, uh, from yeah. good bosses. I also learned from shitty bosses, to be honest. <laughs> Um, and then you, 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 you work, it's experience, right? It's in my life. What I always did is when I got offered a chance, I just took it. I, I, I was not like, I want to work in the same job for 20 years. So when they asked me to move to other countries, I moved when they asked me to step up and fulfill a role that I felt I was not, um, old enough for experienced enough. I still took it and, and learned on the go. And, um, and, and that's then also when you then start to work not only, let's say, with a national team, but then with a European team, and then later on with, with, with teams in Asia, in the US, in Europe, you figure out things and you figure out that other cultures are different, but that you still have to adapt, come along, and especially as a marketer, to understand the market there and to, to um, adapt accordingly. Yeah, to be able to communicate to a global market, you know, I, I can just attest to it just in just seeing my influence of talking to people around the globe in this podcast, having guests from all over, they're going to see it through a different lens. So how do you strategically plan or how do you figure that kind of stuff out where people are, again, trying to maybe build up a market to talk to a lot of people? How do you do that? I know one of the things that I had to learn that I have not the ultimate wisdom. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and for, for someone who was for a certain period of his time pretty full of himself, that was a really hard learning. It's just understanding that, that you don't know and you don't even know a lot, right? Yeah. You know what you, you maybe you have some stuff you are good at, but there are so many people who are even they're smarter than you, have more experience or in their market. So I always try to listen. I always try to, 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 to listen to these people, to, to learn about also them as a person, about their childhood, about the environments they live in, um, the, the, the way how they interact with each other. Um, and and um, 
from that to understand, okay, this is how this market seems to work. I mean, and if you are coming from a company that is in 24 countries located, but is largely dominant in the US and has a very, let's say, US-like approach, then also to, to, to communicate back that that might not work in Russia or in, in, in India or in France. Um, and to to tell them that we have to adapt an approach that was something that um, yeah that I had to do as well it was not always the, the, the largest fun of my life yeah no definitely and I think it sounds like you had to be a little bit curious and you also had to be curious but also quiet right to be able to listen and hear the nuances and the struggles and what they're seeing and how their culture developed so as a kid going back a little bit were you overly curious as a child I um uh let, let's say I uh, the, the, this the funny thing is when when we talk about is a kid curious as a child and in my time that was always more related to is he good at school hmm. if that's the benchmark of being curious I was the most <laughs> uncurious person in the world <laughs> right yeah because I sucked at school um but what. I, I always, because of, of my experience and because of what my family went through, I was always um, very curious about politics. I was always very curious about history, about social dynamics, why people do what they do. Um, and um, so that was that was the part where I got very curious when it came to, to things like math and chemistry and biology. Um, nope, nope. Throw it out the window. Someone, someone else can do that. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I love that the, the psychology part of what you're saying, how people and why they do what they do. <clears throat> I have that innate curiosity as well. It's like, let's figure out why this is what we do and is it the best way, right? Yeah. And then we can connect upon that. Yeah. So again, just figuring that out. And that was probably a gift that arose later in your career um, as you kind of evolve through the, the, the marketing scheme, the global scheme, then you go into this next step where if we look at your LinkedIn page, you took a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. What happened there? Well, first of all, I took a sabbatical because I got fired. <laughs> so it's, that's it. Hey, yeah, it's a, not a voluntarily sabbatical. I, I would like to explore the world. <laughs> so what happened to me is pretty. It's, uh, as I said, I um, uh, my marriage fell apart when I was thirty six. Then I'm then I was a year trying to figure things out. I was still employed, and then I thought uh, I got an option to move to Australia, and I was thirty seven by the time. And I thought that sounds like a great new adventure. Um, just move to the other part of the world. And uh, <laughs> why not? So I did. So, and after, after um, a while, I figured out that, first of all, living in Australia and working for a US-based company and having not really researched time zones is a, pretty, is, is a move of an idiot, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I was largely working uh, um, during the nights. And I also started to miss my daughter, obviously, who was, who was living in Germany. And, but by that time, I was in the company already for 15 or 16 years, and I got a bit bored. And um, I also got a little bit, because I was also, I was working remote for the most, for all of the time at, uh, from home. And at some point, uh, my company went through um, several stages of uh, restructuring. And um, at the end of the day, um, there was nothing left for me. So I became the restructuring. And... <laughs> 
And obviously, it's a pretty life-defining moment for someone who worked 20 years for the same company and believes, as we Germans mostly do, that um, being employed by a big company is the only good way of working. Mm. And um, But I thought, like, okay, um, I was 44 by then. I thought my daughter was 15. And I was like, okay, I, I take a couple of months off. Going to travel a little bit. Um, and going to figure out with some coaching what I want to do next. Because what you also have when you work 20 years for one company and, and, and a big corporate setup, you are losing a little bit yourself. You're becoming this corporate employee with the business card, and, and um, but you don't really know who you are at the end, what you are good at, what, what also what brings you fun. Um, and I, I, I think I was clear that fun was not for me again to sit in, in boardrooms and conference calls for the entire day to just to move one, one box and an org chart from one place to the other. Um, but I had no clue what I wanted to do next. So I, I did some coachings. And then uh, by March or April, when I was somehow clear, I mean, by the time I still thought I would apply for jobs and move back to a corporate gig. But then I wanted to take a couple of months until summer off and then, um, and then start the application process. That was unfortunately March of 2020 when uh, something happened around the world <laughs> that made travel a little bit complicated. Right. Yeah, I'd say. Out of a sudden, we're all sitting in a <laughs> pandemic. And I'm sitting there, I think, just like WTF. <laughs> what, what, what do I do now? <laughs> um, so I thought, like, okay, time to apply for jobs. So I did. And I'm coming from the recruitment background, right? My company was a recruitment agency. And I thought, like, you have a pretty good track record. Um, you're going to find something, maybe not in the next week or months, but you're going to find something. Um, but what I did is what everyone, or not everyone, but what a lot of people did by the time. I, I, I just went to job boards, looked at jobs, started to apply, um, and got rejected or ghosted mm -hmm. and rejected and ghosted and rejected and ghosted. Mm -hmm. um, so by July, I... I um, unintentionally decided to get into a little bit of a midlife Christ depression stage. Oh no. <laughs> and, um, and what I really like, I was like 44 and I thought like, what the heck? Everyone told you you had a great career. And right now, look what, look, look, look what's left. Your relationship didn't work out. I mean, I have a great relationship with my daughter. Thanks God. But I was living on my own by the time. Um, no one wants you. <laughs> no one wants that you work for them. Uh, you must be, you must be a, you must be a, a proper loser. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I cultivated that kind of stage throughout the summer. And uh, by, and, and you know that, right? I think you, you have much more experience with that than I have. So what you then, what you then normally do is you, you just isolate yourself. And uh, for the outside, you're putting on the happy face and then the big fucking, the, sorry, the big smile. <laughs> sorry. Um, you're good. You can cut that out um, <laughs> and, 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 be, and be the happy man. But inside, you are, you are, you are lonely. You are questioning everything about yourself. Mm -hmm. I had days where I hardly came out of bed in the morning. Um, and um, I thought I, I played my role really well and no one outside would notice until uh, two of my friends in December, uh, in September, October of 2020 took me aside and said, like, it's enough. We understand the situation. It's, it must be tough for you, but stop feeling sorry for yourself. No one is going to work with someone like you at the moment. Wow. Figure your things out. 
And that's when I started to reconnect to um, a couple of former colleagues, um, a, a couple of old friends. Um, I started to work with a coach. And um, when by the end of December, I was still still pretty much set on, I have to find the next corporate gig. A good friend of mine uh, Zoomed with me and he said to me like, mate, why are you not focusing the efforts at the moment to build your personal brand? Um, and, 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 and just give people all these experiences that you have, share them and see in the next couple of weeks and months where it takes you. And then in, in January, um, I spoke to my coach that I initially, initially hired to get me into a stage where I could uh, get a corporate gig and said to her, Donna, you know what? We skipped that. I'm going to found my own business. I, wow. I, this whole thing hasn't worked for a year now. Um, and I, I, and funny enough, I always thought like, I'm one of those guys. I always said like, I can't do that. I can't be an entrepreneur or work on my own or for myself. It's just, I'm not, the DNA is not there. I'm not that kind of person. And, um, but uh, by that time I, I thought I had no other option. And, um, I also wanted to get out of this mindset of feeling sorry about myself and f being always in a way. Uh, depending on other people and their decision-making process, I wanted to 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 to, to regain my life and mm -hmm. to, to to be in control. And then then it went all really quickly. I made the decision in January. I started again then to be more active on LinkedIn and to really do it intentionally. Um, I started to really think about okay, what I'm passionate about, what what I really want to do, what where is maybe a need um, in the market. And then the, the, the usual stuff, I mean, it's like, well, not the usual stuff. I had one more call with this friend of mine and I said to him, yeah, so I'm going to make this, but, um, I, um, have to make a business plan and I have to talk to a tax accountant and, and, and it's going to take me a couple of months. And, and this guy just looked at me and, and you could see in his face, something going on, like, what is this guy talking about? And at some point he just said, mate, you, you just make, you, should, you just make excuses to start, just, just start. And that's what I did. That I, I did build the website within, I think, two or three weeks and um, um, started to reconnect with, with, with many people from the past. And um, in April, I had my first client. Wow. Wow. That's an incredible story of just, again, taking that, that journey of going on sabbatical, not a voluntary sabbatical to go travel the world or anything. But, you know, you're going through this. You're going through this depression, this loss, you know, and struggling to find yourself, pulling yourself up out of the bootstraps there and kind of taking that next step that maybe a lot of people, I'd say probably a lot of people can attest to and even relate to. And maybe even right now wanting to do that, we're on the other side of two years now, maybe a little over of a pandemic that rocked a lot of people's worlds. They're going to want to maybe find themselves and start being an innovator or be an entrepreneur. What would you say to those people that are wanting to do it, right? Or maybe struggling? The first thing I always tell people when I talk to them, and obviously over this last year, I, I've been in contact with a couple of folks um, who are in a similar situation and just wanted to talk to me about how, how it was for me. The first thing is I always tell them, you guys are not alone. Don't think, don't think that, that you are alone and no one else understands you and that you have done something wrong or that you failed or that is, that's, that's, that's a crisis that hasn't the, it is the, the crisis not of the century for this planet. So a lot of people were affected. And it is also okay that you struggled and that you maybe think you failed. But I don't 
think that you struggled or failed. I just think that's parts of life. That's just how life is. And um, so that's because a lot of people that I spoke to were in a similar spot that I was in over the summer. They were isolating themselves. They were not telling a lot of people. So I understand that. But then the next step is like, go out and talk. Talk to people about it. Talk about how you feel. Um, you don't have to, 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 to print a T-shirt so everyone can see it, but talk to your best friends or to, to, to a support group or just but find people you can talk to. So you can get, first of all, you get out of this isolation and understand that there, is, there are similar experiences like yours out there. And um, then the next thing is, don't listen so much to your self-limiting belief systems um, like I have done for a long, long time. This whole imposter syndrome stuff is 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 a really is a. I mean, I remember I talked to a friend of mine um, a couple of months about imposter syndrome, and he's 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 Scottish, so he's always like, "This is all fancy stuff, come on." So I I, I spoke to him about it, what it actually means, and out of a sudden, this guy looks at me and says, "That's me." I'm like. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the imposter syndrome of us of feeling that we are not good enough, and other people are going to find out sooner or later. And these self-limiting belief systems that we can't do it is something that um, I know it's existent, but in most of the cases, it's just not true. So stop listening so much to to that to them, and then reach out to people who who have maybe done it. Maybe mm -hmm. you know someone who is an entrepreneur. Maybe you know someone who founded a business. Maybe you know someone who, who went through a similar thing. So talk to them how they did it. And then define for yourself what's actually a priority for me in my life. And if a regular paycheck and um, not having uncertainty about the money coming in every month at the same day, at the same amount, is a big priority for you, um, entrepreneur life is maybe not the best path to choose, right? If, 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 if you don't want to deal a lot with your own emotions, if you don't want to deal a lot with, um, with, with doubt, with anxiety, maybe not the right path. Um, but on the other hand, if you, if you are curious about what else the world has to offer, if you think you want to give something to the world, that you have a passion, a purpose that you want really to, to, to full, yeah, to, to, to fulfill and to, to follow. Um, and if you are ready for the fact that it's, it will take a while, but, but you really want to create a better life, not only for yourself, but only also for others, if you want to have more freedom, um, then this may be as a path. Um, yeah. But then it's also, then you have to figure out what, what's, what's the thing you want to do. And is there, is there really a market for it? Is there an audience for it? And, and all those kinds of things. Yeah, no, that's definitely something, again, I think the entrepreneurial mindset, and I always love diving into the mindset of entrepreneurs, right? And just figuring that out. How are they doing? How do they say, I'm going to break molds? And then we see the most successful entrepreneurs out there and we're like, they're indestructible. They don't have any self-limiting beliefs or have ever doubted themselves. When in all actuality, they have probably had the same exact thoughts on a day-to-day -day basis and an overwhelming level every day when they started and took action exactly they have been in your shoes 10 years ago and only because they are successful right now it doesn't mean that they have been successful immediately from the start and obviously we all have i mean there, there is a there's also there's a blessing obviously of on of social media but there are also there are side uh, side by sides right and one of the things is we only 
we only tend to see and to capture the people who do better than us. Mm -hmm. right? And we look at them and we're like, wow, wow, right? But first of all, we compare our insights with their outsides. We don't know how their insights look like, right? We don't right. know what they've been through. We don't know what they are right now dealing with. So also just focus yourself on your own, on, on what, what, what do you want? What's, what it's, it starts with little things, I like, like the practical stuff, right? Where do I live? How much money do I need to actually fulfill a day-by-day -day life, the, 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 the normal stuff that everyone does, right? Um, how long can I go on without maybe a couple of months of income if I really mm -hmm. believe in this? Um, and, and, uh, and where are kind of breaking points on this journey where I have maybe to reconsider what I'm doing. Um, and, and, and then do you, but that's, yeah. that's so evil. You know, we, we say that all the time. We all the time say, you do, you just start, um, go on and, and, and push through and, but that it's, it's complicated. We humans are mm -hmm. complex. Our minds are complex mm -hmm. and the burden that comes with, with dealing with those kind of things on your own, especially in a situation right now, they are real. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's without a doubt, you know, we are all complex human beings. And I, I think we need to just take that into consideration when we're saying, I want to just go do this and I'm having these limited beliefs or it's just easier to say, just go and do it. Right. That's yeah, that's great. And yes, I do need to just do it, but I think I, First, I need to get clear in what I want to do, right? Yeah. Know your direction. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is that it's okay to pivot after. Yeah. You've taken action. You can change directions later. And this whole thing, it's like, as my friend said to me, and when he said, like, you just make, make, make excuses to start, it's I had to figure out a lot of things on the run last year. And I had to be okay with it. And if you figure things out on the run, you also make mistakes doesn't make you a failure or doesn't make you someone who's not successful. You just make mistakes. You learn from it and that accept them as part of the process. As part of the process is all, also all those days when you are really struggling, when, when your anxiety kicks in, when uncertainty kicks in, uh, when your mind wanders to places that are not a rosy, sunny beach. Um, and when you, when you have to understand that those moments are are normal, but they are also just that there are moments. It's not going to be like that for the rest of your life. Just because you have a bad day or you have a month without revenue doesn't mean that's going to be the rest of your life. As you have said, you can always adapt. You can always change things. Um, so this, this is one of the most important things that I have been through and I still learning, I'm still working working with it is to accept that those moments where, where I'm getting anxious, where I'm freaking out about stuff, where I feel I'm not prepared, uh, where I'm getting a little bit, um, um, not desperate, but, um, a bit impatient with, with, mm -hmm. with, with the progress that, that, that is okay. That this is part of, of, of going through this. And those moments are, might be a couple of hours. It might be a day, might be two or three days, maybe even a week from time to time. But then there are other days, moments, hours, and weeks. Ahead. Yeah. That we have these, again, these lows and highs and highs and lows and these ebb and flows of throughout life. And I think we have to normalize that conversation that, Hey, look, 
everybody faces this. Everybody has these self-limiting doubts and these belief systems that are going to say, you can't do that. You can't be an entrepreneur. Why would you, why would anybody ever want to buy something from you? Why would anybody want to ever listen to you, right? We all have to normalize this in the human aspect. And that's what I love about your business is the human marketing, bringing back the human language. When did you figure out the point that, hey, look, humanity, human connection, human interaction is more important? I mean, I have to admit, when when I did content for a big organization where a lot of people have, um, and that's that's part of marketing as well, that a lot of people feel they are marketers and have an idea of what's appropriate and what not, especially people who, I mean, if I had to bring legal teams in who looked at a white paper because they wanted to make sure it's fine and then they come back with feedback, um, okay, cool. Um, so I, I already had a little bit of a problem in, the, in my last couple of years with the corporate language um, that I had to speak. And um, and then as the part of the pros of the last two years for myself and with a lot of stuff that I read, um, I just felt like this is not what what I like. This is also not what how any human speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also the change that has taken place over the last two years where, where people have been through so much and where the transformation is so big that I understood for myself that if companies don't respond to that in the future and speak to their audience, not, I mean, we always said like, uh, the, uh, the worst thing is when marketers or when companies speak only about themselves, right. And not about their audience, but what's even worse, they speak about themselves in their own corporate language. Yes. So they, they, they use the same language they use in, a, in an internal meeting or in a board meeting. They use the same language outside. It starts with acronyms that no one's understand. It starts with self-touting of their achievements. No one gives a flying thing about that. What your audience thinks about is like, okay, I have these large pile of problems. I have to homeschool my kids. My partner has to homeschool, uh, has to work here as well, and we are already freaking out at each other, right? I um I have to do my job. I have to solve this problem for 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 this kind of. So they all all they want is someone who can help them with their problems and mm-hmm. understands them and talks to them in a way they understand. Yeah, and that's what I thought is there. There is a market for it. Uh, for 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 a more human approach, not. Only, and it starts with for companies to figure out that they have to change the way of talking their corporate speak and speaking the language of their audience, then also figuring out where they obviously are and then, then a way how they can help them and how they can, uh, how can, how can, how they, um, can connect with them over a certain period of time that this audience trusts them. Uh, and only yeah. then they will maybe want to have a conversation or want to buy them as long as you are not the apples or coca-colas of the world where people buy you anyway because of your brand that is already yeah just because you have a gigantic corporate brand right but i think we're seeing a lot of change around personal brand and the strengths of personal brand and how that's really starting to become a big uh contributor to even corporate brands staying afloat through this this massive pandemic shift that we're taking place But that's the whole thing. Was I spoke to a couple of companies or the, or the first, and one of the things I always ask companies, especially when I speak to founders, what was the reason that you founded the business? And because barely anyone, when he reflects on that, will tell you their reason was to be a, to get as rich as possible. Um, there was always a kind of a human element in it. There was always a kind something that they saw, something they drove, uh, that drove them. 
uh, that make them found a company. And then they grew. And then while they grow, they sometimes forget the purpose while they founded this company. But this is something humans relate to. They relate to human stories. So I try to help them to tell their stories also a little bit better in a, in a more human way. And there is a huge shift. You have, you have, you're totally right. I mean, when, when I look back how LinkedIn, for example, looked like two years ago and how it looks now, it's it's a, a different universe, right? So even, yeah. it's an, even a different postcode, it's a different planet. Yes. Yeah, it's it's massive to watch this change. And I think, you know, pandemic brought in a lot, right? It brought in a lot of uncertainty and people were finding themselves. But I think what it really was, if we want to try to look at it as any light of positivity, it caused a, a catalytic shift, right? A really fast transformation to take place where we can say we can keep doing what we're going to do, but we're going to fail as a human species, or we can take a completely different approach on how we're really connecting back to our heart space, if you will, as humans to humans. Yeah. And I mean, let's also not forget, I don't know, my daughter's right now 17. Um, when I speak to that generation, they are, they are ahead of us. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are the future market. They, they are a market already. They are a future market in the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Uh, but they will think differently. They will interact differently. And they will also expect something different than we are doing today. So we, 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 better, we better make the shift. Yeah, it's it would have to if you if you're a company, if you're a corporation, if you're individual trying to be an entrepreneur or a leader and innovator. I've always heard the power of having a mentor, but what about having a mentee, right? Mentoring somebody that's in a younger generation, somebody yeah. underneath you in generation. Yeah. My, my my daughter, my daughter mentors me every day. Yeah. Mostly, by, mostly by telling them me uh, by telling me what I shouldn't do and that I'm too old for that um, and this, this kind of stuff. But if you listen to this generation and if you take them, uh, and that's some of the things that I have learned as a father. That's really important is if you take them seriously. Not only tell let's tell them like yeah, yeah tell me and then you just halfway listen and then later on you say yeah yeah yeah. Uh, really listen to them. Really really trying to understand where they come from and what's their motivation and and. Um, What's important to them, it, it's eye-opening. Yeah, it is really eye-opening. And I love how you're, again, taking these founders, taking these companies, taking these individuals that want to be better storytellers. How what, what would you say to somebody that's struggling to tell a story, right? They're trying on LinkedIn. They're trying on post. How do you tell a story? Well, to be honest, one and a half years ago, I said to someone, I'm I suck at storytelling. I can't write. I'm, I'm really bad at this, right? Um, so the first thing I would start with for everyone is everyone can write and everyone can tell a story. And we tell stories every day. We just don't realize it. Um, and there are obviously certain kind of techniques in terms of how you draft a story. I mean, you, you can look at, at um, movie scripts. You can look at books. I mean, stories are getting told for, since forever, Right. That's that's why they're so powerful, because they resonate with other people. Um, But I think where most people really fail or not fail, but most people really struggle with is, first of all, but there's also prep work to do. Right. It's really when you look at how you really build a brand, it has a lot to do with with values. It has a lot to do with with who you are, because if that's not authentic, 
it's not going to work because normally there is research out there that, that shows that people are much more likely to connect with people who they believe share their values and share their belief systems and share the way uh, how they think about the world. So really, there is a prep work to do about yourself or about you as a company to understand what's really my sense in the world? Why am I here? What, what's what's the, the world is I believe and what's the things I think are worth fighting for? And so when you have done that, uh, then it comes to the next stage and that's really tough. It's, it's really just, you have to get out, right? If you want to be a storyteller, you have to build a brand, you have to go out into the world mm-hmm. because no one is knocking at your door and asking you, what's your story? Um, so, and this is, is a hard part. It's a hard part. You, you need to put your, let's talk about LinkedIn, for example, right? To put up your face on a profile with your experience um, is already for some people frightening. That's why you still still see so many profiles without having even a profile picture. What mm-hmm. I would not recommend to do, by the way, anyway. So, but then, then you have to overcome these, these inner belief system that, you are not interesting enough or that people don't want to hear from you or that um, that you suck at storytelling. Um, and when you make this step and you decide, okay, I'm going to tell my story, then to be okay with it, that first of all, it's going to take a while until you see success. It's for everyone the same. Don't expect success overnight or that people connect with you immediately. So they, they need to... S- to read and learn more about you on a consistent basis over a longer period of time. Don't be so afraid about other people's judgment. That's, that's a thing that I think is super important that we believe other people judge us. First of all, people are busy and mm-hmm. they are busy with their stuff. So they don't have enough time to judge you. Um, yeah. And the people who have enough time to judge you are actually the people you could think, well, I don't, I don't know them anyway. That's the other thing. You don't know them anyway. They don't even, yeah. they don't know you. So when people, when you get a bad comment or someone says something who disagrees with you, what is also normal, we people have different kind of thinking about stuff and we, we, we disagree from time to time. That's all normal. But, um, but you have to start and you have to keep on going. And when you, when you do that over a certain period of time and you make it part of your daily life, you're going to get better with it, like with everything. You're just going to get better with it. And then there are also, there are tons of people out there who are already good at and who are happy to help you. They, they help you to, to how to draft a story, how to, how to make it more compelling for a reader. To, uh, they, they're going, they help you to, to how to draft posts in a way that, that they are likely to resonate with others. So let them help you. Yeah. Ask for help. Right. That's a big one. Just again, going out there and saying, Hey, look, I I, I'm struggling here to understand how to do this. Um, and I I don't know how to do story brand, or I don't know how to talk about who my, what I've gone through or how I've gone through it. What would you say to somebody that is finding their way on a storytelling and, and they're looking for a community for help? Well, there are different kind of communities for help, right? Um, you, you, um, but f- 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 I, I tell you my personal story. The, the reason why I actually, why it was at the end of the day easy for me to start and then to go on was that I had a community of like-minded five or six people that I could fall back and that I, um, and they could fall back at, to me. And I could ask them for advice. We, we held each other accountable. And by the end of the year, a partner of mine, uh, Ashredot and I, we, we sat together and we said, we had, we had really good run this year. What should, 
we want to do something. Um, and um, then we decided that we're going to launch a community this year. Uh, and actually, next month is the soft launch, and March is the full launch. Uh, it's called the Story Gym. It's um, it's actually um, a community that um, is um, is based on the thinking that we you need people who, who can help you with different kind of, of expertise, storytelling, branding, marketing, but you also need a community that is supportive, that is kind, that is uh, where people have similar thinking about um, uh, values in life. So we're going to launch that, um, and um, obviously we, we're going to try to help as many people as people as possible, and um, we are really excited about it. Yeah, that's incredible. I love the I love the story gym idea. Just again, bre- creating this environment, this community where we can all come together as collaborative, but also yeah. accountable, right? Yeah. And we can say, hey, look, you can do this a little bit better. Just fine tune it, right? And, and, and I, that's, I've ta- that's right? the Go thing. Ahead. It's I mean, of course, we can do online courses and all those kind of things. But what's normally happening is you do this course and then you're up to, on your own, right? Mm-hmm. You finish that and then it's then then you have to run. What works for some people, but not for a lot. That's why a lot of people buy another book and book another course and book another course because they believe that they will learn something new that's going to help them. But the only thing that's going to help you at the end of the day is to to do it. Uh, for yourself but it's so much easier if you are surrounded by people who either have done it or are in the same process mm-hmm. and, and gonna and gonna help you with that and, and gonna be there in times especially and you know that there are they're gonna be days they are awful right especially when when you put a lot of effort into something and then no one's gonna read it and then you you just want to be like you know what i am not doing that i make youtube videos now um, yes. so, uh, and then they leave a place where they have put already a lot of effort in mm-hmm. and are maybe a couple of days away from from the breakthrough and then they do something else uh because they believe somewhere else it's going to be easier it's not yep and, and and maybe most likely even your audience is not at the other place because if you do TikTok videos when you do a business service, not quite sure how that's going to work. Um, so that's that's the whole idea behind the creative community that that is not our the community of me and my partner. It's the community of the people who make it. Right. Obviously, we're going to help them and with additional content and with bringing guest speakers. And but at the end of the day, this community is uh, is uh, made for people who also want to be accountable, but also supportive and, um, yeah, want to succeed are really, yeah. that's why we also have said to, or saying to people, if you have, don't have the full commitment, if you, if you don't, if you say you can't really say that you can commit, then it maybe makes no sense for you. And it's a waste of time because this is really for people who are really dead sad on, on, on making, making it work for them. Yep. I've again heard it over and time and time again, right? Getting these books, taking all the courses in the world won't change your life, right? It, it, you can continually spend money on that. It's the accountability. It's the action. It's going out there and doing it. And, and that's, 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 the, that's the whole thing. It's no matter if you, if you, if you found a business or if you start a course or if you do a community, um, you can over-perfectionize, right? You, you can sit there and, and, and sit three days and thinking about a logo or a perfect tagline. Mm-hmm. Just start and just figuring yeah. figure it out uh, on the way but um that if you have the fundamentals right and the idea that you have is resonating with other people and and it's 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 gonna it's gonna it's gonna work yeah i think the biggest thing that people get lost in in that perfection mindset is just like i need to find this sub niche or this niche that nobody's touched nobody's and again 
you're not having an organic thought. I guarantee somebody's had this thought before, but are you going to be the first one that actually takes initiative and consistency in that? And also, it's also much more about your personality than you think. There will be tons of people who are doing similar things than you. But at the end of the day, if you find people who connect with you on a human level based on your values because they have the same, of course, they're going to come to you. When, it, when, when they need help in this topic and not to someone they maybe don't really connect with or they don't really know. That's the whole thing of building a personal brand, right? That you are in front of the people of your audience that, that feel that they are connected with you every day with the things you are doing. So at the end of the day, they feel they know you already. Even mm -hmm. before you talk to them for the first time, they have the feeling, I know this guy because I, I read all the things and and then it's much more likely that they're going to that they're gonna hang, hang out with you. So... Don't, don't try to invent a wheel or something. Just no. figure out what you're good at, what your experience is, and then go in there with your own personality, with the way how, who you are, and, and connect with those people who are similar than you, and then, then they're going to they're gonna come. Yeah, exactly. They're going to they're gonna come, right? Build it and they will come. You got to do it. You got to mm -hmm. be you and don't try to change that up. It's been a, an excellent conversation here. And I, I love to always close up my my interviews with my guests with a couple questions. And, yeah. and one of the two questions is, if you were to give a piece of advice to yourself or a young person right now, uh, or a listener, what would it be? Never live your life based on the expectation of others. Never let tell you from anyone how your life should look like, what is a good life or not a good life. Um, get advice, listen to as many people as possible, but don't have a belief system where other people tell you the way who you are or what you aspire to do or what you are um, excited uh, about is not a good life or is not working. Um, I, I have learned that I'm a, uh, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Hmm. I have done that for a long, long time in my life that I try to please as many people as possible to be a version of myself that would uh, fit with their belief systems and with their expectations. And I can tell you, I failed in a way that is absolutely, I mean, just, I, I totally failed with that. And it's because it's not good. At the end of the day, you yeah. live a miserable life. Yeah. That's factual. You know, you got to be, you got to be you, you got to be happy in your body and in your life. And this is, this is also hard work, as you know, figuring out who you really are and mm -hmm. also accepting on that way, all the stuff with you or from you that you maybe don't like so much because no one of us is perfect. We all have stuff that is maybe not so, not so great, but coming to a point where you accept you as a whole and where you understand that, all these great things from you or with you wouldn't exist without the other parts either and mm -hmm. vice versa. And that's okay. It's also okay to, it's also okay sometimes to, um, to make mistakes and to, and I made like, I made millions of them, uh, but it's not, it's not bad. And if, if, if you made a mistake and someone else was hurt, own it, apologize, explain what, what happened, explain what you what you have learned from it be better perfect fine yeah i love it 
That's great advice. That's great advice for any listener out there, anyone that's wanting to, again, do something and try to find themselves. It's hard work to do that. It is hard work, believe me. It's also, in some days, not really fun work. No, it's not fun what you find along the way. Nope, nope, nope. Sometimes you just want to close the door and say thank you. Yep, maybe next time. (laughs) Uh, Next question I always love, and it is, again, probably for personal personal reasons, but I also think listeners can really uh, gain a lot from it. Was there any books that have been revolutionized or have revolutionized your life? Uh, If so, what are they? Um, I, um, the first time I read Renny, Brenny Brown, Rising Strong was life performing, uh, life transforming for me. Um, yeah, that's a good one. It's, um, I mean, I, I was like, like many of, her, of, uh, the people who admire her, uh, I saw her the first time on her, on a famous Ted talk, um, about vulnerability. Um, this is, her work is really something that, that, that changed a lot for me, um, yeah, that's 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 the book that, that I would say that that really um, made the trick. Yeah, and again, finding that vulnerability, finding that way of being human in that regard, and kind of just opening that up a little bit is yeah. is so people struggle with it because what we see on social media and what we see out in the world, we're like. That's a great outside. But what you said earlier was perfect, right? We're comparing our insides to their outsides. Every one of us is humans. We are all vulnerable. We are all suffering. We all have good days. We all have bad days. But they are the, then they are the ones who, are, who acknowledge that, who work on it, and at some point embrace it. Or the ones who are neglected, don't want to talk about it, don't want to work of it, uh, on it, and um, just move on. But... Those people or some of those people that I've met over the years, when you speak to them later on after the third glass of red wine, they don't sound that exciting and great anymore. Yes. Yeah. You can, Uh, once you get through all those external facades, if you will, you start to see like, oh man, I would not want to spend a day in that mind. So yeah, it's always great, Mike. I love chatting with you. Thanks again for coming on the show. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Um, so it's already over man that was a quick hour it was good fun thank you Brian for the invite I really enjoyed that and that's this episode of the Art of Mindset with your host Brian LeSage if you're looking for more about Michael Kirsten be sure to head over to his LinkedIn page in the description of this show also go ahead and check out the story gym so that you'd be able to share your own story with the world And as always, remember to share, subscribe, and follow this show to be sure that you don't miss out on any episodes. We release every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're looking for more content from me, head over to brianlesage.com and you'll find ways to improve your mindset, improve your entrepreneurial way of thinking, as well as empower your own life and revolutionize the way in which you do so. And as always... Stay curious, keep expanding.